Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. It's being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. We've been on location all week at the Wisconsin Farm Technology Days taking place in Clark County, uh, Wisconsin. A great opportunity for folks to get the chance to see some some agriculture, talk some uh, harvesting issues and things happening with our alfalfa crops and really focus on what's been happening in the industry. And no surprise, folks were talking about what was going on in these markets. The WASDE report, weather was a big discussion and not just focusing on the weather here in Wisconsin. They were focusing what we were seeing throughout the Midwest. There was also concern about what was going on with Ukraine and grain movement. So we're going to hit that and a whole lot more on this week's report. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Well, welcome back. As you can see, joining me on the screen for this weekend, we've got Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing and Darren Fry with Water Street Advisories. And gentlemen, a uh, great opportunity with farm shows underway. I think there's a lot more water cooler talk uh, that happens out there in the country. So I wanted to start out talking a little bit on what's been happening weather-wise and what we're hearing from folks. And Sam, we're going to start with you as you had the opportunity and, and look out your window and talk to folks. What is some of their biggest weather concerns at this point? Well, at this point, and, and very similar to like we see it in many other years, it, it's kind of a case of the haves and have nots. Uh, we've been very fortunate right here in central Illinois, our, our, our backyard. Uh, we've been you know, blessed with the ability to get crops in in April, uh, and we have also had rainfall along the way here. So we're looking forward to you know, potentially getting some early harvest in September here, just 60 days from now. Uh, and potentially get some early harvest premiums. And that stretches all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you've got you know, customers out in the Western Corn Belt that have really struggled to catch any rain, uh, anything meaningful. Uh, some areas that got off to a good start and you know, saw a, a bit of bad weather along the way. And so I think we're gonna continue with that narrative and, and the weather as we go into next week and the, really the back half of July in general leading up to this August crop report uh, is gonna continue to boast that the Eastern Corn Belt you know, looks like they get uh, a decent shot of rain and the West continues to suffer in some hot, dry conditions. So uh, I think it gets down to the sentiment and, and you know, what people think is possible from a yield reduction standpoint as we head towards harvest. You know, I think you bring up a really good point. And Darren, as, as Sam talked about this weather, it's hard, we gotta remember, and I guess it's hard to believe, we're already hitting the latter half of July, which means for some, harvest really is coming up just around the corner. Yeah, it sure is. You know, the crop is probably overall about a week behind average, and we're going to pollinate a little bit later. But, um, you know, there's some some good opportunities here in Illinois and parts of Iowa. Obviously, the eastern two-thirds is going to be better and probably more protected from the hot weather that's coming. But Indiana really has a lot of dry uh, conditions, and so does Ohio, Michigan, parts of Kentucky. And the question is, is these ridge riders that are going to set up uh, over that ridge over the next 15 days, they're probably going to get a shot to, to, of rain down through, you know, parts of Indiana, Illinois, even Michigan and Ohio. But how much they'll get and where that rain falls, it's very hard to predict. But I do think that it's going to be a challenge to actually get 177 yield now that we have this setting up over the Western Corn Belt. Central and Southern Plains have been scorched. I think it's going to be really hard to hit that number now. Curious, is it making you nervous? No, <laughs> no, 
nervous, uh, not not for uh, the markets or price, but for my producers in those areas, I know it's a lot of stress for them and and uh, no farmer wants to plant a crop and watch it wither up. And so, you know, we're always hoping the best for them. But I would say the market needs a scare like this to get a rally going so more bushels can be sold. Well, Sam, they were also talking uh, here at the show about what's been happening with this crude oil and obviously just the fuel prices in general have been a big frustration for agriculture. From a crude perspective, what are you talking about? Well, you know, we've, one of the narratives I've been, you know, really discussing and noticing here over the last several weeks, really over the last month, is a sharp drop in open interest. And the wheat market uh, and the energy markets are, are two that are very similar in that nature. And it's, you know, kind of ironic that they both actually come back down to level, you know, pre-war levels here. And I think that could be, you know, uncovering a long-term buy-in opportunity. Some of these, uh, you know, concerns at the onset of this war is that we were going to price in all of these losses. And we did that very quickly. We got the shorts out of the market, but really those losses need to be spread out over the course of the next six to 18 months. We're not going to run out of these supplies right away. Uh, and ongoing, we've continued to see some of those supplies you know, leak out of Ukraine. There are some talks going into this weekend. Uh, there could be an agreement to, you know, have a kind of a team effort to get those supplies out, but the rate at which those come out, uh, kind of a big question. So, as we get back to that crude oil market, I think long-term, the, the real tightness has been in the fuel markets. And so we, we've got enough crude. The question is how quickly can we refine it? What does OPEC do into the third and fourth quarter? And how does this conflict in Russia continue to influence U, not only U.S. policy, uh, but other world leaders and what they want to do in terms of where they source their goods? Well, as we were getting ready to do this program, both of you guys brought up the macros that were happening in the trade. So, Sam, we'll start with you since you're up front on the screen. What's What are your thoughts on the way that's been influencing the trade? Well, it, it, we got all these July contracts off the board at the Board of Trade, and, and, and that sharp drop in open interest, you got a lot of longs and shorts that really got run over. The short commercial interest got run over on the way back up, uh, getting caught short in that July contract. The deliveries being so far behind, uh, and the longs obviously got to, you know kind of whipped a little bit here too over the last you know month or so off and on. But uh, you know the fundamental change has, has not been very large. We don't know much more about this crop than we did even two weeks ago. We got some rough weather coming. Uh, but when you don't have that market depth for that order flow, when the funds need to get out and they go for the exits, there's really just nothing standing in the way. Now, that being said, you could have those same vacuums on the way back up. But as alluded to, as Darren alluded to, you got to have a reason. Uh, and the closer you get to harvest, the harder that gets because you realize you're going to harvest that crop and someone still has to carry it to January, regardless of what the yield is. Darren, for you, what are your thoughts on the macros and its influence on this trade? Yeah, it's all been money flow. I mean, we're not trading the balance sheets right now for corn or soybeans. You have a friendly report on beans. You took beans off 67 cents. The volume that day was 25% under the four-week average, and there's just no open interest. Nobody wants to play. You've just taken everybody out of the game, and computers are playing, and that's what's happening. So it's it's been about a liquidation. It's about get me out. But I do think that we're going to divorce ourselves and start trading some fundamentals on their own balance sheet around corn, soybeans, and wheat here at some point. But we have to see um, the feds not be so hawkish and that 9.1 CPI number, we know they're gonna come with more interest rate hikes and is it 75 or is it 100? And that's what's got commodities, the stock market on a risk off trade. So we need to see that kind of calm down. But I do think that we will get a rally to sell. I'm bearish, I think you've made a top. And I think that until you get to fall, you can't be anything other than a seller on rallies. And so just seeing how those rallies are going to unfold. But hopefully we can get higher here in corn, beans and wheat to do more selling. There's a lot of outside influences that we're seeing from outside our country borders. 
And earlier this week, we saw that there's supposedly some negotiations going between Turkey, Russia, Ukraine, and it feels like it's the same record. We just flipped it to the B side. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, until Putin weighs in on it, I mean, they don't have any agreement. They can talk all they want and they can give everybody some hope that's probably false hope. But I just don't see a corridor opening up. I don't see Putin playing fair. And and I think that that's just all a pipe dream. So each time you have that, though, you have more liquidation. No different than the recession talk or the macro picture. Uh, that's just bearish because, as Sam said, we're trading at lower levels than when Russia went in on February 23rd. So there's not a lot of war premium to take out. It's been extracted. And I think if anything now, you could have that vacuum back up at some point. But I think that's still a selling opportunity. Sam, for you, as you look at the, the global influences we've seen on the trade, what seems to be catching your attention? You know, uh, we continue to hear a lot of rhetoric. Obviously, we talked about the crude oil, but the dollar, the value of the dollar, I think that could play a, a bigger role as we get into our harvest and towards the next South American production cycle as we compete, uh, you know, for export interest. But in the short term, the, the weather in the U.S. and the Northern Hemisphere in general, you know, the EU is getting some dry weather. Those, those you know, supplies and ultimately the fundamental outlook are, are going to eventually take over again. Uh, we just got to wait and have some time. And, and part of it may be bringing volume back into the trade and a harvest can do that as well. So energy markets are going to have a lot to deal with it. Like I said, what OPEC does and what all these other world leaders do uh, in reaction to what happens in Russia is definitely going to influence U.S. policy. We've got a, you know, an election coming up here, too. So really nothing's off the table here. Actors, as we do get closer to harvest, what's the one key thing, uh, Sam, that you're having that conversation with your growers about? Uh, at this point, it's going to be basis. I think, you know, if you've got enough sold here to cover your harvest needs, that's got to be the main thing. But basis is going to remain very firm as we get into harvest. If you've got early bushels available, take advantage of that. The pipeline's going to need to get filled again. And we don't really know what's going to be happening here uh, by the second and third quarter of next year. Are we going to need to find some wheat acres here in the U.S. or are we going to kind of meddle this situation out and, and kind of find our way again? But I think that's the top priority. Uh, and then if you can get the, the market to muster again, you, you know, you figure up on what you've got and start making those incremental sales. Darren, for you, what conversations are you having as, as folks move towards uh, the harvest coming up here in just a few short months or, or what marketing plans should they be looking at? Yeah, I agree with Sam about what people need for cash flow for fall needs and making sure you have that stuff uh, lined out in your plan, but also just be aggressive on rallies. I think you're going to melt up to uh, maybe 640 at the minimum, maybe 675 in these corn. Soybeans get as high as 1450, 1475 if things got exuberant with a weather scare. But I think that weather scare is for selling. I think if we do take the market higher longer term, it's like what we've done the last two years. It's going to be a harvest low and then on into April or May. I don't see the problems with South America going forward that we've had the last couple of years. And so I do think that we'll rally after harvest because I think we're going to have strong demand, especially on the corn side of things. I don't know about beans as much with South America coming on, but a guy's got to get stuff hedged and protected and get ready for interesting times that we've been in and weather, of course, will continue to have an effect on what we've seen. Thank you to both of you joining us this week. We always want to remind folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Report.